0: Hello listeners, Dan here from A Bit Spursy. If you would like to watch this episode, please head to youtube.com forward slash at A Bit Spursy. We'll also have all the links up on our website as well at abitspursy.com. Hello listeners and viewers, I'm Dan and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. Barney is away this week, but we wanted to squeeze in a little bite-sized episode uh, before the Aston Villa game uh, on Monday or Sunday. One of of those two, it it blends uh, into one for us in the Southern Hemisphere here. Uh, I think it's a Sunday night game, which would make it Monday morning. Uh, but it's a few days away, and it'll be our first game in two weeks. These international breaks that we're having, they just seem like they go on forever. And it seems like we're kind of getting one almost every fortnight. Uh, every every other week is turning into an international break. Uh, before, I guess, the the, the Chelsea game especially, uh, we would have been saying, you know what? Scrap this international break. Let's just keep rolling through. Give us more games, more games, more games. Let's really uh, just keep this steam steam train rolling through. But now I think the international break has come at a pretty good time. Uh, After the two losses against Chelsea and Wolves, it's been nice to just maybe steady the ship a little bit. We've still got quite a few injuries and, uh, you know, Romero is still suspended. We've got these things to deal with in the upcoming games, but it's probably been nice to have a little break for certain players to just rehabilitate a tiny bit more and, and possibly, you know, near coming back. So... Uh, Today, we're just going to go through a couple of things that have been happening in Spurs world. This will be a short episode. We'll be back with a full length one, um, sort of mid next week after the Villa game. Uh, Internationals, we've had quite a few players involved. Uh, What I really liked was uh, Sonny in the game, uh, Korea against China. Uh, There's a quote of him saying, honestly, when I heard they, which is the China team in the media, uh, was saying they know how to stop me and they don't care about me. It was not pleasant. Uh, Sonny went on, I think he scored two goals and was involved in the third as well, including a header that he scored from a corner. Now, Sonny is, he's not known for his headers. We we spoke a few weeks ago about how in the previous international break, uh, the South Korea team, they put out footage of Sonny practicing his headers in training. But now we've seen that come to fruition and he scored one. Uh, it, was, it was a nice, nice effort. It was not the easiest header to score from either because he had to kind of like flick it back uh, sort of over his shoulder as he made the run to the near post, but hey, if Sonny can start adding some headers into his game, woof, that would be, well, it's the missing link, uh, in terms of him being say a complete forward. Uh, but if we could start spamming some crosses into him and, uh, you know, he might not score a, a bundle, but if he gets the odd one here and there, who's to complain? Uh, in other international news, we had uh, Romero, who has played, apparently, an absolute blinder for Argentina against Brazil. Now, I didn't watch this game, but I saw some highlights of Romero, and uh, it's just testament to show how much of a class act he is. Now, some people will fire back at that and say that, like, no, he's not, he's a grad he's this, that, everything else. He keeps losing his head. Uh, I think we'll save that discussion for another podcast, where we can go a little bit more in-depth into Romero uh, and that whole perception of him. But overall like if you see him on the ball like he's such an underrated ball player and i think that's what really gets overlooked when people just constantly just criticize him for these you know aggressive physical attributes um that he's assigned with he's uh he's really something special and i really do hope that we are able to fully sort of embrace this uh this this wonderful center back that we have and you know, hopefully, when Mickey Van der Ven gets back from his injury, uh they can really form a partnership that could carry us through for the next three, four, five, six years. And it could be one of the best centre-back pairings that we've seen uh, at Spurs in a long, long, long time. Now, we're looking back a few years, of course, you've got like Jan and Toby as kind of the benchmark probably in the last two decades for a defensive pairing that we've had. I know we've also got like the King and, and that, but like he never really had someone that was up to his level, even though Michael Dawson was pretty good at times. Uh, but yeah, anyway, like Romero and Van de Ven, they could really form this incredible defensive partnership. And I think... Yeah, Romero's often really just just thought of as being a hard man, thought of as being a bit of a psycho. But on the ball, he's really, really intelligent with his passes and, and just how he plays the game. He's very comfortable under pressure as well. And he's a big reason why I think, you know, Vicario is a lot more comfortable playing out to Romero, playing out to Van, Van der Ven. That sort of triangle of players there has been really key to us seeming so more comfortable at the back. Uh, but yeah, another huge game for Romero. He did tweet after the game, uh, which, and this is translated, uh, using the Google Translate, which sort of comes in Twitter. So I don't know exactly how accurate this is, but, uh, his, his translated tweet goes such as, uh, what a team by God, how not to feel identified with this band. Right. Uh, we continue writing history and he's tagged the national team there. So. Uh, then the last sentence is, unfortunately they stain football again, always the same here. So yeah, not much of a fan of Brazil. You could say, uh, it comes through all the time (laughs) and I guess it also happens that in the Chelsea game, you saw the, the interactions he had with Thiago Silva at the start of the game, a little bit of back and forth there, but, uh, yeah, Romero being Romero and yeah, if you get a chance to check out his highlights from this game, I would recommend that. Uh, just to see, yeah, how, how, how much of a, a, a beautiful play he is. I, I I'm going to say that, like, I feel that, you know, there is, there is an art to tackling and he might not always be the most elegant with that. He might, uh, often go through with quite a lot of force, uh, as well, but I think on the ball, he's just really, really lovely defender and I'm so glad that we've got him. Uh, so, uh, on, uh, Everton. That's probably like the big news that happened in the last few weeks. Uh Everton getting stung, having deductions and getting fined and all that um for their transfer dealings. Uh I do like that when Everton came out with that statement, one of the lines they had in there was uh I believe towards the end saying, "We'll be keeping a firm eye on effectively all the other cases of, you know, financial uh fair play abuses and sort of financial mismanagement." So I really thought that was going to be sort of nodding in, uh, you know, Chelsea City, Newcastle's direction and saying like, hey, there's a lot of charges floating around there. What are you going to do about that? But apparently they're kind of trying to rope Tottenham (laughs) into this uh, by claiming that a reason that they like they breached the uh, the the fair so the financial protocols was because we didn't pay them for the full amount of what they wanted for Richarlison. Like they're saying that we didn't pay them the eighty million pounds. So. It's, it, I think we paid 60 or so in the end. But it just seems like a very, uh, uh, I don't know, you really clutching get straws if you're saying like, well, the reason we broke pro- protocols is because we sold this player and the team didn't give us as much as we wanted. We accepted a smaller amount, but if they paid us the full amount, then we would have been fine. So it really, maybe it's their fault. Uh, there's also... Apparently is having uh, a bit of a flow of effect on Delhi, and uh, they Everton would still owe us money if Delhi was to start playing more games for them. And I think Sean Dyche a couple of weeks ago started speaking about how Delhi could possibly be reintegrated into the Everton team there. Uh, but yeah, I think if they're calling out Spurs, we're not really going to start being kind and going like, yeah, you know what? Waive the ten million fee for Delhi. That's fine. Just just play him. So. It will be interesting to see how that develops. Like, I don't think anything's going to come from, you know, Everton's claims towards us. Like, that's just insane. But uh, the bigger worry that we probably have is this Jermaine Defoe controversy, which I think is from 2008, maybe 2009, and it's when he was sold from Spurs to Portsmouth. If you haven't seen this, uh, basically what it boils down to is that as part of the deal, there was an unlicensed agent that was used to consult, uh, I'm not sure exactly the, the the intricate details of that, but used to consult between like the player, the clubs and kind of get the deal over the line. And now there are a lot of strict regulations in place saying that, you know, when you are dealing with transfers to keep the integrity of the whole system afloat, you need to be only working with licensed, licensed agents uh, and agents that have signed certain contracts and agreements within that system. Uh, so apparently the player that, So not the player, the man, the the agent that uh, was unlicensed in this uh, was also a former player. And now it's coming out that the FA were presented with this information at the time, but they chose not to act on it. Now this is all coming out like this. I don't want to say necessarily breaking news, but it's stuff that's been sort of drip feeding out in the last few days. Uh, and the times—they're—they're they're the ones that are sort of reporting on it and and now doing the rounds to try and try and drum up some more interest in the story, there. But I guess if we are found to have breached that protocol, which it looks kind of like we might have, it—it doesn't seem like that is hugely in question, because uh, I think the FAS saying now that they maybe didn't have all the information available to them uh, back in two thousand and eight, uh, 2009 around then. So if they've got more information now, they might reopen the case and have a look at things and see if there was some wrongdoing, which means that we could cop pretty hefty uh, fines and penalties. Uh, I think Luton had a similar case at that time dealing with an unlicensed agent and they end up getting like docked 10 points or something and had a couple of hundred thousand fights, something like that. Um, so it could be quite significant. The thing that I find very funny with it. Well, not really funny about it, this, but it's kind of ridiculous. Is again, you compare it to what's happening with City, uh, what's happening with Chelsea, what's happening with Newcastle, uh, all the claims that are coming out there the two, the 100, 200, 5,000 charges against City, which are just kind of you know, just they've just died off. Now, I know that 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 doesn't mean that they've died off in the sense that they are not being followed up. Like, of course they are, and it's going to be a long case there. But it's just really, uh, it just feels so bizarre that, you know, these clubs like Everton, like us, like we're we're getting picked up for these sort of small charges. And if we're guilty of them, sure, we should be fined and we should be punished. But then you have these Chelsea's, these cities, who have hundreds of charges, like countless charges, Um, And way more instances of like mismanagement, which completely brings the whole game into dispute. And we're just sort of bobbling along and it's like, you know, City probably go and win another Premier League now. How many years is it going to take for them to be punished? Then what happens there? Does that retroactively open up a huge can of worms? I think I was saying that, uh, you know, Leicester, they would be investigating legal action now that uh, that Everton have been charged because you could argue that if Everton didn't breach, you know, whatever they've had done there, uh, Leicester could have stayed up in the Premier League. So you have to think once the city charges end up coming out, God knows when, uh, there's going to be a huge legal battle there with uh, a whole slew of clubs demanding that, you know, th- this resulted in them losing out on, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of pounds. So... I don't know. It feels like now we're probably going to get into this, you know, sort of financial fair play witch hunt, uh, which uh, again, I'm not sort of complaining. Like if we have done wrong in this uh, deal selling Defoe to Portsmouth, fine, charge us. We deserve to be charged for that. I'm not saying that we are exempt from any of those things for breaking the rules but it's uh it's just always interesting when you're trying it when you've got the little fish and then you've just got this huge gigantic whale sitting there uh, which is causing the most carnage by far uh so look they're the most i guess that's the most pressing story with uh when it comes to spurs at the moment uh one thing that i did see pop up on my timeline timeline earlier uh was a clip of ledley king Uh, in what looked like a four wheel drive. This was on Spurs Instagram. And you watch the little clip and it's basically Ledley at a four wheel drive, driving around. Uh, and then it says, go to Spurs play to watch the whole thing. So I was like, all right, this is interesting. It's, it's weird that you would say have an ad and then direct the people to go to a streaming service to watch the full ad. Uh, but then I, I did. So I dunno, I'm a, I'm a sucker. Maybe it's worked, whatever, but I logged into Spurs play, watch the ad. Uh now the ad is called Ledley Down Under Spurs times uh uh what we have Spurs times Enios Grenadier uh which is the car. Now it goes for about 11 minutes, far longer than I expected. Uh it's also such a weird thing. It's possibly the weirdest Spurs content that I've ever seen. And you know, if you've been listening or watching our podcast for the last few weeks, like Barney and I've been throwing out so many different ideas for Spurs play. Uh every week we're coming up, we're brainstorming. We've got these we've got these concepts coming out of everywhere. And it feels like we're, you know, maybe sometimes ridiculed a bit for how ridiculous they apparently are. Yet this I think has just outdone anything that we've ever suggested. You it, it starts off with Ledley saying that he's in Western Australia and he's kind of, it's not really quite the, uh, fully quite the Outback, but, uh, you know, it's there or thereabouts. And, um, yeah, he's, he's there and he's driving in his, he's driving in his car. He's in in Ineos Grenadier, which is mentioned about 10,000 times in 11 minutes. Um, And it's really, it's so bizarre because it's presented as if it it is a travel show and it's got a lot of those normal travel show sort of tropes, but then it's just clearly this 10, 11 minute long ad. Um, And it starts with Ledley saying, and I'm I'm guessing like, you know, a lot of people don't have Spurs play, so I'll try and recount it as best as I can uh, for you. So you don't have to go and sign up to just to view it but it's basically Ledley going around saying like, Hey, I'm here in the Western Australia, I'm here in the outback. I'm catching up with my old mate, Salty. Uh, which firstly, is just so ridiculous that like, you know, uh, Ledley, I don't know, like he's been to Australia like a handful of times, but to think that he's got a friend, uh, an old friend, Salty, uh, who, <laughs> who's just like this Australian Bushman, uh, out of the outback is just such an entertaining concept to me. Um, and it's interesting. He's like going to meet up with him and, you know, just just hang out and like learn about the outback and the wilderness and those sort of things. Uh, and it just turns into this extravagant sort of car ad where you can see like everything is a little bit awkward. Uh, like their friendship is kind of awkward. Uh, the stuff that they do is a little bit weird. Like at one stage, Ledley's riding along with a representative from Ineos and uh, it, he's telling him like the features about the car. But you could see Ledley's not really a car guy, and I could tell this because I'm not a car guy at all, and and I can see that uh, in him. And the features they're talking about in the car are like, there's a horn that you press for cyclists, which is different to the normal horn that you go by. And it feels like, like, I feel stupid now because it's like, I'm recounting this ad to you. You don't even have to watch the ad, and now it's almost like I'm pseudo-advertising it to you. But uh, it, it, it is just... Ridiculous. Uh the, the whole time he's on walkie-talkie talking to Salty and arranging this meetup, which eventually happens. Uh and again, it's like, I feel like the writing on this just could have been a little bit more subtle. Uh, because you know, Ledley would be talking about how great the car is to drive. He comes in, parks at the campsite, and it's like Salty mate, how you going? Oh yeah, hey, hey, Ledley. oh whoa. And uh it's just like, how was the drive, mate? Um And then I think the line comes from like, wow, looks like you're in a car that can do it all. And it's just, again, it's just like such kind of like just poorly written lines. They, um, they then start cooking lunch. And so it's like, you warp back into like travel show mode and it's like, yeah, we got some like king prawns and we got some this, that, everything else. And it's like, they're sitting down to make this and eat this. And they're just sitting directly looking at the car. And it's like, you got all this beautiful wilderness around but as we're just sitting there, just looking at this, looking at this in, whoa, what a, what a perfection. They talk about the food for maybe a minute. And then it goes back to um, Salty looking at the car and going like, well, oh, tell me about this, mate. Uh, And then Ledley's just going on and saying, this is just very vague and bland car terms. So fast forward through that. um, There's just all these hover shots of the car. Again, it's very, very bizarre. Like they're in the, the wilderness a bit and then... Salty is teaching Ledley about, you know, this fern's been here for, you know, 200 million years. Wow, wasn't that fantastic? Amazing. And it cuts back and they're just sitting on the, like the bonnet of the car um, awkwardly with Ledley declaring, I've got to go. All right, see you later. And then Salty proposes a race to him. It's like, all right, let's race to the top of the hill. I'm going to run and you go in the car. The Ineos Grenadier. Wow, some four wheel drive capabilities. Uh, And then the next three minutes is this, bizarre sequence where you have photos, uh, sorry, yeah uh, video of like Salty, like sprinting through the, bu- and this Salty guy, he's got like a, kind of like an Akubra hat on, um, but like a big like open shirt and like really, really tight jeans. Uh, it's so odd. He's sprinting like through the bush and Ledley's driving along tracks, trying to, trying to beat him up the mountain. Um, the, my, probably my favorite moment in the whole video is that during this, they introduced this shot where like Salty's, you know, he's trying to race, he's trying to beat Ledley up this hill, which is a long way away. Um, and it's like, uh, uh, what man is going to beat a car? Uh, and it, Salty gets distracted by ants at one stage. And there's like a possum, uh, not he doesn't actually see a possum, but he sees a, a tree and he's like, oh, a possum could be in there. And then he looks over and he's like, oh, there's some ants here. Oh, bull ants, I better show those to Ledley. Uh, And it just, it's just wild. It's just wild. Like none of this makes any sense whatsoever. The video finishes with them um, up at the top of the hill. Ledley, of course, wins because he's in a car. He's racing someone on foot. He's driving in a car Uh, and he's up the top. Salty then comes up and Ledley gives him a Spurs shirt (laughs) with uh, Salty's last name Davenport on the back. Uh, And yeah, Ledley then, you know, apparently makes Salty uh, spend the night there as his punishment. Uh, it's a very, very weird ad. However, having said all this, if this is the sort of Spurs content we're going to get for Ledley, like I love Ledley King. Like he's one of my favorite players I've been able to watch, you know, semi-regularly since I started following Spurs in the sort of mid to late nineties. So I will watch any content with Ledley in it. So I, I understand like that is part of the allure. Like if you love Ledley, you're probably going to watch him do this stupid shit, which makes no sense. Uh, but if if the Ledley Down Under show continues, I really do hope that we get other versions of this with c- different ads, different products, different partners, uh, and it just really starts becoming this just absolute tidal wave of insanity. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's the newest content I've seen on Spurs Play. Uh, there's a few things I'll watch on there at some stage, but well, I do hope we get some more Ledley Down Under. And these the ads just get more and more bizarre as we go into this deep, I don't know, confusing rabbit hole of whatever the hell this is. So look, I think that'll do us for this bite-sized episode of A Bit Spursy. Uh, I've been Dan, and next week, uh, Barney and I will be back to, uh, review the Villa game and other things that have happened since then. We might have some more movement on some of these other stories that we've mentioned. Uh, hopefully there's another Ledley Down Under video that we can watch together there. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to Villa. Uh, I, I don't mean looking forward to Villa in the sense that I think we're going to have an e- a good game necessarily here. Like we're very much down to the bare bones at the moment. Apparently your doggy's back. That's a, that's a plus. Uh, that doesn't make up for the gaping hole in defense that we're going to have. So this could be a little bit of a tough watch or it could be a tough result, but I still don't really care. Like, cause I think long-term still seeing the positives of, of how we're playing the positives of Ange ball, everything like that. Like we could have a, a couple of bumpy weeks here. We probably are going to have a couple of bumpy weeks, but it'd be nice to see uh, just players start getting a bit more minutes. Like, you know, Geo, I, I. I don't know how I feel about Gio. I would love to see him come back into the fray a bit. I'm not one of those people who think that he's, uh, that's still pining for him to succeed at Spurs because I just don't know if that's going to happen. But Bentica, I mean, that's someone who, I don't think we should now just rush him back into this game and try and play him as a starter and, uh, you know, kill him. And he's got such a big risk of like redoing his injury. I still think we should try and keep him to, you know, 30 minutes, maybe 45 max uh, in this. Uh, but it's gonna be really interesting to see. Uh, again, what lineup we go with? Who's fit? Who's available? And if we can squeeze something out of that game, uh, before we quite possibly get battered by City, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm still very positive of where we're going, and looking forward to the future ahead. So, thank you for joining me for this uh this, this mini episode. I've been Dan, and come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.